Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> Hello Glowworms and welcome to The Vanity Project with me, Vanity Von Glow. Before we start today's episode, I am delighted to announce that we will be bringing The Vanity Project podcast to a live event at the Glasgow International Comedy Festival. We'll be joined by special guest Scott Agnew, who was once Scottish Comedian of the Year and a friend of mine from years gone by. Um, we'll also be joined by Alice Rabbit, who is one of Scotland's top drag queens, who will be sitting down for a chat and a gossip in Queen's Corner. There will be other guests announced nearer the time, but it will be my first live version of this podcast and also my first time back in Glasgow for a long time. So I might even throw in a song myself. Um, The ticket link will be in the show description. It's on Wednesday, 23rd of March. And if you're in Scotland or the area around Glasgow and you want to come and let your hair down and have a few drinks at a live recording of the podcast, we would be thrilled to see you there. Today's guest, however, also on a Scottish theme, is a broadcasting legend here in the UK, a television institution in her own right. She has been a household name for almost as long as I've been alive. Her name is Lorraine Kelly, and we're thrilled that she agreed to come on to chat to us. As you see in our conversation, she is very enthusiastic, um, very, very chatty. All the things that she is on TV, she is exactly that. Um, with me in this chat. So thank you so much for continuing to tune in. We hope we made it worth your while today with our guest, Lorraine Kelly. So joining us today is none other than our UK TV legend who, and she may not thank me for saying this, has been on the air on morning television in the UK for as long as I've been alive. It's the fabulous <laughs> Lorraine Kelly. Hello, Lorraine. Hello, hello, hello. Gosh, that makes me feel quite aged, but in a good way. <laughs> a good way. It's fine. You, you're, you're seasoned, but you're kind of like the, the one of the mothers of the nation, it feels. <laughs> That's really nice. That that's lovely. I like that. I think because I've been doing it for such a long time, people sort of think that they know me, which is lovely. You know, when when me and my husband are out and yeah. about, people come up and talk to us. Then he always goes, "Who is that? How do we know them?" Because we're chatting away. You know, and that you we know, know each other really. I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, oh, God, <laughs> I, didn't know. "I thought we'd known them for years." <laughs> or maybe you do know them, and you've forgotten Lorraine. Yeah. It could be that too. It could be that. But that is lovely that people feel that they know me and they can chat away to me. And it's it, that is that is really, I find that really, yeah, it's it's actually really 
really good because I don't think a lot of presenters have that sort of relationship with their viewers because yeah. you do have to over a long time and and that's really you know that's where I've been very lucky. I always think that's one of the things that makes people sort of leave the cave if you think of it that way like why you know I'm a performer I go out from my house go out into the world why a journalist goes out to ask questions is because you actually want to connect to other people so that's what it's all about really deep down. I think so. And I think that's why the past couple of years have been so difficult. I mean, I've been yeah. incredibly lucky that all through the pandemic, you know, and, and all through the lockdowns, I was able to go to work. I mean, it's yeah. not, at one stage we, we had a camera in my house, in my living room, uh, just in case things went completely, you know, things got completely cocked up and I, and, and I couldn't. Um, so we had that as backup, but I was able to go in. I mean, obviously, with the, the the full sort of mask and all the rest of it we were very very careful yeah absolutely you know we didn't have any guests on it was all done through zoom minimal crew i moved into the gmb studio my chair was disinfectant when, when piers morgan got up they disinfected <laughs> <laughs> they should they should maybe continue that practice <laughs> so we did, we did all that i mean everybody was really on it and actually um, very, very few of us at that early stage uh, got sick. I think as well, we were so aware of the fact that our friend Kate Garraway's husband was so incredibly ill that it actually yeah. made us even determined, not only to keep doing the show, but uh, also to be very, very careful because it's, I think we all forget, I think we all forget what it was like back then. Um, and it was, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was really almost scary. like a, a post sort of trauma response in a way where we've all we've all slightly put our eyes forward and are trying to trying to forget yeah. the thing exactly i agree with you 100 and it's like the past couple of years are this sort of blob like if you say to me what were you doing because we didn't have things like birthday parties you know and obviously unless you were the prime minister but we didn't have birthday parties we didn't have <laughs> gatherings you know what i mean we didn't have you know how that punctuates the year and you go oh yeah well well in april i went on the holiday or i did this or something those are our, our little markers yeah, they are the markers of life. We didn't have that. But like I say, I was really, really lucky to still be able to go into work, to try every day, obviously to report on the news, but to try and find some light as well. You know how people mm. were like fantastic Captain Tom and brilliant people all over the country that were doing amazing things very quietly, very under the radar. We wanted to highlight them, but at the same time telling people, you know, what was what was going on. But you're right about the connection. I think I think it's been really, really hard. And I feel so sorry for anybody that's going through that who's 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 young you know a teenager or in your early 20s and you should be at university or college or starting a new job and having a ball because that's what it's about yeah. you should be drunk and making mistakes and and not being able to do that I just think because you won't get those years back and that's just terribly sad it's just sad there's a lot of obviously the type of show that you've had for so long is there's you do go into those quite heartwarming stories because you're talking to real people and having their successes and their struggles put on the screen. Um, I've been thinking, because uh, last night I was at a burn supper, so I'm a wee bit delicate today. And I was thinking <laughs> for you, <laughs> as I'm sure you can imagine, a few whiskeys at the Kaylee afterwards. Um, for you, there must be mornings where you wake up and you've got to be on like right there and you must be in prep for the show early in the morning. Do you ever wake up and think, oh my God, like, you know, it's, it's, you've got to, you've got to be really present for the job you have and for the people who are coming on and that you're talking to. Do you ever think, God, I wish I wasn't starting so early? Some, not really. I think 
yeah, sometimes obviously you would love to lie in your bed. You know, sometimes when you get into a really, really comfortable position in your bed and you wake up and it's just perfect, like the dog is at your mm. feet, you're in the per- the pillow is perfect, everything's perfect. And you just think, oh, for another five minutes in my bed. But actually the day that I would not want to get out of my bed to go to my work would be the day that I would stop. And it's never happened and I don't see it ever happening. But you're absolutely right. And one thing that I've learned um, either through watching other people doing it badly or or just you know something inside you is that you set the tone like I set the tone and it's got yeah. to be got to be positive in the morning not annoyingly you know Pollyanna <laughs> you have got to be positive you've got to you know make sure that your team because they work so hard I've got a very very small team um, and they are amazing a lot of them have been with me for a, for a long long time and they are fantastic and always go the extra mile but so I always make sure that you know that you're encouraging people that you're 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 having you you create an environment so that people feel that they can say anything because you know what it's like if you're throwing ideas you know what it's like as a performer if you're thinking of ideas or and then you think oh god I know I can't do that bit because that's too and they go "Mm, wait a minute though I could maybe do this so it's we try to make it it's it's a democracy our show and anybody can say anything and it's just yeah but you're right you have to be you have to be on it. You, you do. You do. Um, but that's not an effort for me. That's just because I do. I'm so blinking lucky. I love what I do. I love what I do. I love all yeah. of it. I love the fact that I can go and see a movie before it's out at a screening where nobody is talking on their phones, eating nachos, crunching, trying to open up sweeties and annoy me. Um, and I love going to, to see things, reading books, doing the research is a huge part of it. I love all of that. And just meeting so many people because... I always say I'm curious. Some might say I'm nosy, but I like to say curious. <laughs> and I learn yeah. something single day. Every single day I learn something. It may be something silly, but I always learn something, which is good. It reminds me of um, one of my favourite people. It's the American talk show host, Wendy Williams, oh, who Wendy. is very fabulous. Legend. Legend. Uh, I love her. And she, she always says that, like, she's got to go out into, you know, when she arrives at the studio, like it's, it is a top down thing. She needs to be uh, approachable. And she says as well, yes. that as a woman, she's found that she needs to kind of, because she's very tall and, you know, her breasts are enormous and she's this big intimidating sort of I presence. Are, they're not as good. They're still quite perky for women my age, but they're not <laughs> quite as, as large sadly she's got got a massive advantage over me in that department that is true she does have she does she says she's shaped like the letter p um but you know she she has to sort of um be smiley and approachable to the team because otherwise they might be quite intimidated because she's the star of the show and it's actually her responsibility from the top down to encourage people to um to speak up and to be themselves and then, then you have a culture like that and it's it's absolutely vital and it's always been like that with us i mean i would be absolutely devastated if any of my team felt they couldn't say something to me or they couldn't have a joke with me or a laugh and i think as well that is one of very few bright spots and what's been happening over the past couple of years is we've all got very close you know we have um off for a lot of times and still now and you know some of our team especially ones that are, are vulnerable have been isolating and we've been talking on zoom but we've been doing things like remember in the early stages we we're all doing quizzes and we were doing zoom chats we we're doing all that so we did a lot of that and and i actually found that the the camaraderie was always there always 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 but it's even more so now um yeah, yeah. and i've got to know them even better i'm not just talking about my team the crew as well you know because the, the crew was cut right down we 
had you know like one cameraman and one sound person and one you know it was all it was all cut down but we we, we had conversations and and got to know each other even better than we had and that's been something I think that's been one of the things to hang on to and say well you know it's not all been horrendous because things like that happened and and I think you're right communities came together because we miss we really really miss connecting with each other I mean not not just friends and family and colleagues but just when you're out with the dog having a chat with somebody that you've never met before you mm -hmm. know yeah. and that's what human doesn't it that's what that's how we operate we're creatures of you know we, we want to be sociable we want to be able to talk to people it's very important have you ever had um <clears throat> have you ever had experiences where people are less than friendly i think i think the reason i asked that is i was doing some work for a tv company a few years ago and it was my first week on the job it was a non-performing thing i was trying to diversify what i was doing as a human being and learn some new things and <laughs> I was working for a TV company that were covering the Grenfell disaster. And it was literally, I think that happened on like a Sunday night. And I was there on Monday morning with their crew, like watching how they do everything. And, and people were bringing goods to help the, the survivors of the, of the tragedy. But some people felt really suspicious of the fact that the, like, I mean, the media did descend. There was cameras, you know, every 10 meters along the road. And people were quite, I think they felt a bit like it was voyeuristic. Mm -hmm. um, and so there were people shouting abuse at the camera folk. And um, it, it occurred to me that, you know, obviously there are types of media where people feel really friendly and happy to see you. And then there will be moments where actually people want you to fuck off. Absolutely. And it's not necessarily the cameraman's fault, you know? No, not at all. I mean, people are there just doing their job. But there's a caveat to that. And I saw that firsthand when I was a reporter covering things like the Piper Alpha, oil rig disaster, Lockerbie yeah. disaster, prison riots, you know, Dunblane, all of that. I think the difference is with, with us uh, is that the programme is different. It, I mean, we yeah. now it's kind of like everybody does the same sort of thing, but we were the first ones to have presenters or reporters on the scene telling it like it is, not doing it in a sort of like very remote or removed style. We were right in mm. there. Not, it wasn't just that we were commenting on what was going on. We were actually talking about the emotions that people were feeling. Now that's standard now. You know, everybody does that now. But back then in the 80s, that was actually quite different. And I think with right. things like, um, like those disasters that I mentioned, because I was, I lived there, I was part of the community, if you like. And that certainly yeah. is what happened. With Dunblane so I personally have not experienced that with me but I have seen uh, reporters in, in particular um, and, and not not just newspaper reporters behaving appallingly appallingly and no wonder people shouted at mm. them no wonder they did I get that completely you've got to be the, the, the biggest thing is have respect have respect yeah. these people have been through I mean you mentioned Grenfell that was atrocious that should never yeah. have happened that was the worst thing that people were traumatized and of course they were and when people are in trauma you have to be gentle you have to understand you have to listen and and you, you also have to read the room whatever the room may be you know whether it's a situation like that or or whatever it may be because you know i always try and put myself in, in somebody else's shoes how would i be feeling now of course i don't know because i've not lived it but you should have that empathy and that humanity um, instead of just going in there, you know, thinking that you're the greatest thing and everybody's going to talk to you, why would they? Um, so it's all about yeah. attitude. It's all about attitude. But I totally understand why people would feel that they, 
you know, because the, the media are there to do a job and to cover the job, but some of them um, do not do it well and some of them do not cover themselves in glory. They really don't. Yeah, I think I think the team who I was with, um, you know, were, uh, were sort of, I said to them, does this happen a lot? You know, the, the sort of, and they said, not really. And they were actually very understanding that just because somebody's yelled at, at them, it, you know, it's not it's not personal. People are really, not, really heartbroken, trying not, to be helpful, bringing bringing in fruit and everything for the people yeah. who were survivors. So, it, it, you know, we all understood the, the 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 strength of emotion. But also, though, we do have we do live in a world now where you had a nutter in the White House who would just when he didn't like what was going on in the world would squawk, you know, fake news. <laughs> Uh, and unfortunately, there is now um, a, a distrust, particularly in the United States, but everything that happens over there eventually, you know, they, they sneeze and we catch a cold is the saying what happens in America. Yeah. And that, that trust um, in the media, in certain sections of the media, do not deserve to be trusted. You have to earn trust, don't you? Um, but that that is very sad um, when you see... As, as we've seen in America, we've seen in demonstrations, particularly after the election when Trump pretended that he'd, he'd been stolen from him. And you saw people's anger oh, and the storming of the Capitol. I mean, people people lost their lives. I mean, it was horrific. It was absolutely horrific. So that saddens me a lot. Um, that, and also what saddens me and what I've seen over, over the years is the erosion of trust in government and it's not a surprise is it i mean it really isn't a surprise and we absolutely do deserve better i mean when i started out i don't know i don't know when this ever ever came about but when i was uh, presenting on tvam you would have say for example the minister for health and you'd have the shadow minister for health and they would have a healthy debate <laughs> you know? yeah. or you'd have you know you would have you don't get that now they don't come you know whoever's in power will not do that you've got the ridiculous spectacle of boris johnson hiding in a fridge rather than talking to piers morgan you know you've got like even today you've got a, a minister who wouldn't turn up to be on on gmb and you think hang on a minute this isn't about you not liking the presenter or you not particularly liking the show have respect for the people that watch the show because that's your voters and they deserve to have questions answered and I just it's that that sort of like arrogance of not wanting to be held to account. I think it's appalling, really bad. I know. I, I I agree. I think I actually think one of the antidotes to this sort of thing is the rise of the longer form interview. You know, so for example, I know you have your own Pod podcast, the What yeah, yeah. Podcast, mm. and. I think one of the great things is that now that podcasts, everyone listens to podcasts and because actually we're quite hungry for people sitting down and it not the format of TV, which is so expensive, it's expensive to put a TV show on. So the eight minute segment or the six minute or even less than that yeah. sometimes that you get mm -hmm. on the couch, people feel that they don't get to flesh their ideas out. Whereas in a podcast, you're able to you give people a bit more benefit, the doubt to explain themselves and then you can get a bit more in depth. Um, I mean, I'm new to podcasting, so this is something I'm trying to learn how to do. Um, you have the What If podcast, which I suppose is a bit different from your from your TV show. Um, what are your thoughts on the difference of those two oh, formats? I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that is one of the frustrations about my job is that you know there isn't there's never enough time. Having said that, I don't really, I certainly don't go down the road of the gladiatorial approach. You know, I don't think no. it works. Um, I just mm. think you. Can, awful awful lot of heat and no light and I always try when I put someone on especially whether you know if it is a politician or someone who does need to be held to account let them speak 
don't interrupt them every two seconds let them speak because you know what give them enough rope and all of that give them a chance to talk and then you can go in with the killer question don't ever 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 make it about you because it's about it's about the person you're interviewing and it's also always about the people that are listening the, the viewers and the listeners are the most important thing you know that that's what really that's why we're doing it for goodness sake um and wow. you're right that the podcast is fantastic i mean we've been i, I did a podcast with my daughter with rosie mm. and it's all about you know what if if what, what if you go down that road or that road and it leads to some incredible conversations and some very different conversations and it's a joy to do i absolutely love it and i mean at the end of the day a podcast like like yours and like my and you know, when Rosie and I do, it's it's about listening and having a conversation and being respectful. And you know, if you need to ask the tough question, you do it, but there's ways of doing that that people will talk to you. I mean, my old granny said you get a lot more with honey than vinegar, she used to say. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know, there's nothing wrong with love bombing people and then getting them to open up to you and getting them to trust you. And and that's why I, I feel very um privileged actually especially when people, you know, they trust me with their stories, especially if they've been stories of hardship or something, you know, something's happened to them that they've had to overcome and they come and they come and talk to me. It's it's huge because it's a big deal. And my, my main priority is to make sure that they go away thinking they've done themselves justice and they're proud of what they've done or they feel happy. I don't want anybody who's come on the sofa to tell me all about their life or the problems that they've maybe had or whatever, or the triumphs, you know, to go away thinking they've not, they've not said what they want to say and I've not allowed them to say what they want to say because that's so important. That's the most, I always say that to, after every show I say, how was that guest? Did they go away? Were they all right? Are they happy? Is everything fine? Anything, any feedback? You know, I always want that feedback. It's very important. Yeah, I, th I, I feel the same way about doing these that, you know, as they're basically like, I, I suppose I've put it in this language in my head before, but you have a duty of care, like, somebody's given your time for a conversation like the 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 aim is not to to leave them feeling used ever you know because the only way you can have a good conversation is if you are honest and like that you yeah, extend your goodwill like you literally want like i was saying earlier you want a real human connection absolutely and um, i wonder what, what because it just struck me when you were saying saying that just now um like, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this role in, in television? Because I could imagine that you, you'd still want to be extracting stories from people, probably, yeah. in a way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was supposed to go to university when I was a, was a kid, but I got a job in my local newspaper. And I would have gone to uni to do um, English and Russian. That was the two things I was, that I wanted to do. I uh, probably think I would have ended up in the teaching profession. I would have right. ended up with something like that because I think teachers who've got a really, really, really hard job, and we saw that during lockdown when parents were trying to teach their oh. children, they were like, oh my God. Yeah. And teachers all of a sudden found themselves very appreciated. But you can change people's lives. That that job, I mean, I remember, oh, never forget the Spears, I'll never forget Miss McFedrin. You know, they, they were incredible and inspirational and all of these things. And and there are very few jobs where you can actually make a massive difference to people's lives. So probably, I think I would have done something like that. But yeah, I think I absolutely landed on my feet with my job, but I really did because it's it's just such a it's just such a joy, you know. It really is. Are you trying and to tell me? 
Are you trying to tell me you wouldn't have become a drag performer, Lorraine? Do you think I would? Well, you know what? That probably would have been <laughs> Did you see? I don't know if you saw. I, this is my proudest moment. I was on the front of Attitude. I've seen it. Best as Morning Gloria, not Morning Glory Hole, as some people were saying. <laughs> Morning Gloria. Well, that could be that could be your nighttime name. You know what? I had the best time ever because I'm not very good at getting my photograph taken. I'm not very good at the whole celebrity malarkey. I'm just not good at it. Uh -huh. The red carpet thing intimidates me beyond. You know, I mean, I've not gone to things because I've just thought I can't. You know, I can't cope with it. And when I was dressed up as Morning Gloria, I could have taken on the world. All of a sudden, I found this. I don't know. I don't know whether it's like this for you, but I found this inner confidence and inner strength. And inner, I don't actually give a shit. You know, it was that. It was. I don't care. I can, I'm invincible. I'm invincible. It was amazing. It really was. And it's very powerful. Actually, it's very, very powerful. That's right. Um, I, I think it's amazing. People people that haven't, you know, dressed in a sort of extreme way, which drag is, maybe don't realise that so much of who you think you are is actually how you are received. So if you suddenly, you know, are in this enormous, exaggerated getup, you just change the whole dynamic of a space. And that's one of the exciting things for me being, you know, on stage performing is that it's like you're throwing down the gauntlet for an audience to go on a ridiculous journey with you. And, you know, if an audience is at your show, it means they want to play along. And that's wonderful <laughs> because then, then you, you know, then I get to be, I mean, in my shows, I sing the songs of Celine Dion and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, cause no one, no one has the money to, you know, fly to Vegas to see Celine Dion that's coming to my show, but instead they get the bargain bin version that we all go on <laughs> a fantasy together. You know, and it's really, it's fun and it's that people, people cry and people have a really emotional time because, um, because they let them, it's a childlike thing almost, they let themselves believe this sort of persona and it's really, really fun and it also means that you can, you know, rip the piss out of everyone. Oh, you can get away with anything. If you are in drag, you can literally get away with anything, I think, and you've got... And you've also got the confidence to do that. And, you know, you really have. And the balls to do that, even though we can't see them because they're hidden. <laughs> <laughs> they are hidden in a vault. <laughs> How you do that, my, I, honestly, I take my hat off. That must be a, so sore. And But, yeah, that's a that's a skill and an art. Tis. I heard that you used to party. So Glas any, anyone that listens to this in Glasgow, where I, I studied there in Glasgow, and I used to go to Bennett's nightclub. Oh, Bennett's and you, you would have been in Bennett's back. And no, Bennett's like, Bennett's open. It was one of the first big gay clubs to open in the UK. And it was there around in, I think, even maybe the late 70s. But it was still there when I went to uni. And it was a, a unique experience. Like, it was quite a hardcore <laughs> music scene. Really, really heavy, um, high-energy music. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. We, we used to work, um, I was the worst waitress in Glasgow. The worst waitress in Glasgow. Um, and I worked... <laughs> Charlie Parker's was quite trendy and they had a disco called Pizzazz up the stairs and it was kiddie doing it. Was dead Pizzazz trendy. rings a bell. Yeah, Pizzazz. And it was all beautiful, beautiful Glasgow girls with their big long tumbling blonde hair and their big white stilettos and they were gorgeous, right? And then I was given a special dispensation because Gary um, said it was all right that I could wear flat shoes, my glasses, and I didn't have to tuck my shirt into my shorts. <laughs> 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 
like, you know, I was, I was just, a, you know, I mean, I, honestly, I was there for comic relief, I think. But uh, and I don't mean the charity, I mean just for comedy. But, uh, <laughs> just yeah, for a laugh. It was great. But the trouble was I needed to work there because I just, um, I just got a job at the BBC and my salary virtually halved from working in local newspapers. So I needed to work as a waitress at night. You get fed, you get your dinner, which was great. And I just, I needed the money. I think I got about a pound an hour. It was mad. But then after our shift, we'd go to Bennett's and spend all our money in booze. Do you think the gays have more fun? Yeah, it was really good fun. It was really good fun. But um, what I loved about it was nobody was judged. Anybody could go. There was no, like everybody, it felt very safe, to be honest with you. You know, especially as a woman, especially as a young girl, it felt very safe. And I've always felt like that. And, and you know, and I think that's awful important. I've always felt incredibly safe around all of my gay friends and, you know, whatever they, they happen to identify as, it's totally up to them. Um, but I've always felt very safe and, and they get me. It's like you find your tribe. Um, yeah. And, and I was always a wee bit of an outsider. And it was really good to find people that, they just we laugh. I've, I've never laughed so much in all of my life as I did back then, and I still yeah. do. Don't still do. Um, but very sadly, you know, we do. We did um, unfortunately lose some of our really, really good pals um, because it was the eighties and all of that, yeah. and that was very hard. That was very, very hard. And but it was a great time to be young and daft and experiment. And and thank God there was no social media. <laughs> I know, do you know, it's funny to think I, there was, when I first, I'm, I'm 32, so when I first did start going <laughs> clubbing, you know, it was like 17, 18, there wasn't, there was social media, but there wasn't social media on your phone. So no. like, you actually had to have your night out and then all you could do the next day was talk about it. You couldn't like watch it back like a, like a four part <laughs> special, you know, um, and it's different now. Oh, it is. All your mistakes are there, and that's not fair. It shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't have these things. I mean, when I, when I think I didn't do anything spectacularly terrible or anything, but you just you know emb- embarrassing things if you've done daft things and you've been drunk and silly and all the rest of it. And I'm just so glad that it's that nobody. Will there are s- there there are some drag queens in London, and I suppose I've probably I do this sometimes too, where because of the Instagram stories, like just the antics of a night out are hilarious to watch back you know now being that i'm a drag queen i don't really care if i look silly like it's not going to affect my job if if there's a video of me falling out of a nightclub is there because people actually enjoy the sense of revelry yeah um obviously as you get older you start to think okay it's not necessarily look and you know celine dion wouldn't be caught in that state so why should i but um it is quite funny watching especially some of the young ones because you know, it's, it's turned into an art form in itself, just being a mess yeah. on a night out and, you know, running around with a champagne bucket on your head or whatever else. <laughs> I know, I know, and, and we've all been there. We've all been there and done and done daft things. But like I say, I am just glad that there is no record of that. But the thing is, we're all human and, and, and we do all make mistakes. And I think, I think weirdly, as we've got more free in some ways, you know, to be whoever we want to be, and that's God, I absolutely welcome that. But people, on the other hand, have got terribly judgmental. You know, they, they really have, it's got very poor, everything's got very polarized. You know, you're either, you're either 
that end of the scale or you're that end of the scale and to be honest most of us are somewhere in the grey middle of it all you know we're not we're not extreme one way or another and I don't understand why people just can't let other people get on with their lives have a bit of understanding and a bit of empathy for anybody that's going through a bit of a tough time no matter what it may be and be there to support them instead of throwing rocks at them I just don't I've never understood it never understood it doesn't make any sense to me at all for people to point fingers and say your lifestyle's wrong how dare you how, what gives anybody the right to tell somebody else that they're not living their best life it, and why why are they so there's, obsessed there's a, you know, i just don't get it get on me you know, little, that, that's it i mean that's that to me was kind of like being you know that's that's what being a liberal means you know that you just sort of if yeah. somebody isn't hurting someone you, you all crack on there's a lyric in one of the songs i do in my shows it's by charles Aznavour, but liza minnelli performed it very famously and the lyric is no one has the right to be the judge of what is right for me Absolutely. tell me if you can what makes a man a man i do so i really like what you said say i mean obviously we're all observing this polarization thing i love the phrase you used earlier about how some conversations give a lot of heat but not a lot of light um because that that is the sort of thing that drives that polarization um one of the things that i I really liked recently was you had kathleen stock on who is the trans trans um skeptical critical feminist or whatever whatever you would call her who you you personally are quite comfortable to disagree with her stance on oh, on very really? trans issues. Like yeah. that's quite. I could tell it's something you were quite strongly in disagreement with. But I did actually think that in having her on, I th- I felt that was actually quite a big-hearted gesture because we are in a polarized moment, and you only get past that by coming together for the conversations. And you know, you I think because you've got this trust with the audience, people you know you were a safe person to do that um i think some people would get in a lot of trouble for speaking to her um so i thought that was one of those things where we maybe need more of that like as you say most of us are in the big gray mulch in the middle we're not actually that five percent on twitter that's screaming over there or the other five percent over there saying the election was a fraud you know yeah exactly exactly and i think it's important to have the debate i strongly disagree with her you know i think that trans women are women and trans men are men and that's what i think mm-hmm. and the, and she doesn't and then i thought it was very important as well to say look you're not really cancelled you're sitting here on live telly you've been on women's hour you're writing books you're doing lectures you know there is this misconception that people get cancelled and, and that's it you never hear from them again you, you actually hear they actually make more noise and sometimes and, and I think it's important though to hear what she's got to say to give her that she can have her say and then of course you are absolutely totally fine to completely disagree with what she's saying and when we had that interview we did it, the, the viewers were kind of split down the middle but a lot of them said it was good to hear what she had to say because you know I, I, I completely disagree with what she's got to say but there was that thing of saying well she should be allowed to say it so that we can have the debate. Oh, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a big believer in that. I mean, I've, I've, I've got in trouble before for I support free speech and, and you know I'm an artist, so to me it's a no-brainer that I think people should express themselves. But certainly doesn't mean I agree with everything people are saying because let's remind ourselves people are nuts and there are people who I disagree with on so many things. But I do think with the cancel culture thing, I think that. Kathleen Stock's in a good position to carry on writing her books and doing whatever she's doing. But I think about people like there was a, there was an employee of Asda who put on his Facebook a Billy Connolly sketch and, and got 
sacked by his employer for that when that asda sell the very dvd that billy Connolly made that okay. joke on and yeah. things like that are just like laughable like why don't why don't companies have a bit more understanding that when a lot bunch of people come for you on twitter you just batten down the hatches i mean you're in the public eye you must get people having a clipe at you for things every yeah. single day you can't Absolutely. react every time you've just got to keep your eyes on the prize and go no you're right and you cannot and you've got to remember that um they've always been there people have always been there ranting but now they yeah. are no longer ranting in their basement and um, they've got you know they've got a platform yes. to you directly now that is an amazing thing in many ways because it means that you can get in touch with people you know a lot of people get in touch with me and it ends up maybe their story um i can help them or they can be on tv or we can give them a voice and we can you know it, it's fantastic we can share things and share knowledge and all the rest of it's brilliant absolutely brilliant but then of course there's people that are just vile and it's hard because you know what it's like i'm sure you're the same 99% love, you know, 99 lovely comments. And then the one comment that, that sort of like sucks the soul out of your body is the one bad <laughs> one. And you've got to yeah. learn. And it's really, because we're all human beings and it's really, really hard. I tend to, I don't block people because if I block them, they know that I've read it and, and they've got that to me. Them. But to be honest, I don't get that much of it um, I'm, I'm in that sense but of course if we have something on the show that people don't agree with especially just now I get an awful lot of uh, um, abuse from people who deny that there's a Covid um, you know that right. we're in the middle of we're coming out of a pandemic God I hope we are anyway um, or anti-vaxxers I, I get a lot of anti-vaxxer abuse um, and you just have to kind of there's no point there's absolutely no point engaging with them because you're never ever going to, you know, the really extreme ones, you're never going to change their minds. You're just not. Um, and well, I think, I think that you don't owe, like we don't owe everyone our constant, we don't owe everyone a defense of ourselves all the time. Just because somebody's attacking you doesn't mean that you need to get down and them up with them. Like, don't um, give them your energy. Do not give them your energy or don't let them take up space inside your head. I mean, of course, there are really important and we have to hear we've just talked about Kathleen's talk we've just talked about you know issues of people who are transphobic or homophobic or whatever and um, you know but we whilst you don't want to give them the time it's a really difficult one though isn't it because in some ways you don't want to give them the oxygen you just don't but then in other ways should we not realize what the world is still like because for goodness sake since you know I mean it always makes me, and I remember saying it to my daughter and she couldn't believe it, that when I was a kid, it was actually illegal to be gay. It was legal. You got locked yeah. up. I mean, you actually got locked up. I mean, I, I can't even believe I'm actually saying that to you. So, obviously, we've come a hell of a long way since then. But well, that I think it's, it's weird. <laughs> Isn't it weird? Isn't it strange? But I know, I, I mean, I absolutely, I had this conversation with my mum, like at Christmas, just, you know, how much the world has changed and that because she's been alive to see the change. But mm -hmm. I do think that's one of the reasons why, like, as a drag queen, you know, we're kind of guardian angels of the gay community in a way. And we are also the expressors, we express ourselves. And sometimes we express a bit of what other people are feeling. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I don't always enjoy being outspoken, but I'm, at the end of the day, if I have to roll up my sleeves and be outspoken, I will, because I 
have, you know, yourself and my mum were alive in a time where it was illegal to be gay. And I couldn't do my show in Dubai or in Chechnya or in countries around the world because there are parts of the world where actually um, you're not able to express your love for people or who you are or have sex with who you want to have sex with. So for me, it's 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 an important thing to value that we live in a fairly free country and like as a as a drag queen like we should be exploiting that and we should be we should be being bigger than life and throwing a sequin on because celebrating that we have the freedom to do so and not losing sight of the fact that um one of the responsibilities we have for that as well is to sometimes accept that there will be other people exercising their freedoms too roll our eyes yes. though we might <laughs> oh roll our eyes absolutely we do and it's and it is difficult it is really really hard and we do still have a long way to go even in this country we've still got a long way to go one of our producers the other day him and his boyfriend um went along to view a flat and they were told not we're not we're not we're not going to sell to you too they were yeah i saw that absolutely i mean I, you know i was talking to them afterwards lovely guys i was talking to them afterwards and i was just like i'm so you know i, I was apologizing <laughs> to do me, it's a bizarre like, thing to happen oh, isn't sorry. it i'm so sorry that you get asked that i can't believe this is 2022 and we're having this conversation i could have understood it in the 70s or the 80s even but that we're having this conversation now is absolutely ridiculous it really is ridiculous and you wonder but then you sort of think to yourself what is going on in the minds of those people and why are they so bothered? Why are why do they feel so threatened? And why are they so, so bothered that two men love each other and want to be in the same house and have a nice it's life? That, it's that thing of that some sometimes people think that they're being offended. So you know, if they, I think it was a, an old an old fashioned religious couple, wasn't it? And they're it's, offended that here come the gays, and it's like, well, you know, they're taking over the I sympathise that you're offended, but you're offended doesn't come with. The brackets of and now i get to decide what happens it's like no you're offended and so what down and educate them and just try and somehow get but there are the some bet. people like it's going back to the anti-vax thing there are some people you know extreme people that you just can't get through to them and it's it is like banging your head off a brick wall and you know whilst you can still obviously have a debate with others there are just some people who are so extreme that it's exhausting isn't it? It's exhausting. The best part, the best person in my life who I've looked up to around stuff like this is the Irish drag queen Panty Bliss, <gasps> who sort of <laughs> led the campaign for equal marriage. Yeah, she was on the show. She was amazing. She was on the show for that very thing about the about campaign yeah. for, for marriage. And and we were both saying how mad they were still having to do this and still even having. I said I don't want to have this conversation with you. What an amazing person! I re really, really, really. Yeah. Like and just, you know, he, he said when he was, when they won the referendum, when a journalist said, what would you say to the people who voted against equal marriage? And he just went, and he, he didn't have fighting talk for them. He just went, I just hope that in five years they realise they didn't actually have anything to be afraid of. And that to me is the spirit that like I want to embody in life. I think that's kind of what you've been saying. It's like we, we want we want people to see that their anxieties and fears around how other people live are unfounded because actually most people just most people are in the grey mulch we just want to get on and have a nice time and we want to go on with our lives and we want to enjoy and have a gin <laughs> have a gin or 12 but why that this this is a thing that baffles me you know i'm constantly baffled by many things but that thing of why are you so concerned about the fact that two men or two women or what you know whatever people want to be 
why does that bother you so much? What is it that bothers you? I just, why is it so, why does it get you so threatened and, and so uh, Have you heard, have, have you heard the thing, John Cleese says that there's an old stereotype of like the, the Puritan Scottish woman, you know, like we'll have <laughs> known women like this in our lives, who, who is kept up at night by the fear that someone somewhere is having a nice time. It's true. It's like, it's true. Be in, be in, we know that. We know that women. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Oh my God, we do. <laughs> it's true. It's mad. So, Lorraine, I'm I'm so thrilled that you've come on as a guest on the Vanity Project. This is our first season, and I think we're we've been really enjoying the feedback from it. So we're hoping to do another one. And having you on has just been such a pleasure today. And I've learned so much about you and from you. So um, I wish you all the best with obviously your continued success with Lorraine, but also with your own podcast, What If, which people can listen to with your lovely daughter. It's such a, it's great, isn't it? I've really enjoyed talking to you. I'm sorry, halfway through we were uh, kind of interrupted by the fact I got a chair delivered all the way from Orkney, but um, yes, but apart from that, no, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a joy talking to you. Good luck. Uh, good luck with the podcast and you're an absolute natural. Well, now it is time for Queen's Corner here on The Vanity Project, the section of the show where I have a little gossip with one of my friends from the nightlife industry. Uh, today we have the fabulous Alfie Ordinary, who is, I suppose, not technically a drag queen, more a drag prince. And he's joining us all the way from Brighton. Alfie, how are you? Oh, very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm going to see if my accent becomes less Scottish now that I'm not talking to Lorraine. Right. So listening to you and Lorraine talking, I was like, oh, the wee hens are chatting away. And I, was, I felt never felt more Southern. <laughs> and you're as Southern as it gets, really, aren't you? Yeah. And then, you, you know, you two gassing away in, in, your, in your, your Highland tones. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck, I'm really boring. <laughs> It's funny because there aren't that many um, Scottish voices that are so smack bang in the middle of the mainstream. Like Lorraine's voice is kind of the probably she's the most. I can't think of somebody else who's Scottish who is as like such a fixture of our of our mainstream media. And Lorraine's. I mean, I know there's Billy Connolly and stuff, but he's not there every day, is he? Yeah, he's not there every day. No, I know what you mean. I feel like. I feel like I kind of took Lorraine's Scottishness for granted until I heard both of you talking and then I was suddenly like, whoa, Lorraine is really Scottish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's the takeaway. Lorraine is Scottish. <laughs> what did you learn? Well, we've all learned something today then. That's good. <laughs> Absolutely. I thought, I mean, what a lovely lady. She sounds so cute. Yeah, absolutely. I like that she's quite comfortable being outspoken. Um, yeah. You know, there was a bit of a bit of Boris bash, Boris bashing right at the start there. And I think because she doesn't have not that she has to be neutral on her own show as such, but when she's not in the anchors chair, she can mm. probably just let loose a bit more because why not? She's a person, you know? Yeah. And she's clearly quite a caring person as well. And she's clearly a, a wise woman of the world. Um, and um, she's got just she's got, it seems like she's got a good heart. I love what she was saying about how. When she was put in drag it was like the best day of her life and the way she articulated how powerful and and great she felt was very gorgeous it's one of those things i was like oh yeah drag does do that doesn't it like yeah 
Is it different because, I mean, when I obviously listeners will know when I'm in drag, in a way I'm like scaling up from being just a, an ordinary person to being a kind of like, a, my persona in drag is older than my persona as a person. Mm. So there's a kind of like upward mobility in the transition into the character. Whereas Alfie Ordinary as a character is kind of um, boyish and has a youthfulness. Um, you're in like 50% Pinocchio and 50% like marionette <laughs> doll. And yeah. how, how is yeah. that for you? It's a bit different from what drag queens usually do. Yeah, I mean, so when I first started, I wanted I wanted to have a drag character that was still learning. Like I started doing drag when I was studying for a master's and I was learning so much. I'd literally just, I sound so stupid, but I just discovered like queerness and queer theatre and queer theory and, and queer music and queer art. And then, so I was learning all these amazing things and I wanted to be able to like communicate that to an audience without sounding preachy. So I kind of wanted us to go on like a journey together of learning. and um. Yeah, so that's how I kind of created like a, a more youthful, maybe ignorant, blissfully ignorant character. Um, but these days I'd spend my time dressed as Tinky Winky, which, you know, is is transformative in itself. Transcendent. And what <laughs> secrets has being dressed as Tinky Winky taught you? Um, you can get through places quicker if you're wearing heels. I can't walk in heels. I have to run. I don't know why. Um, but I don't know, there's something about the pads that give me power. <laughs> I'm like, I can do a little, but I can't turn corners. I, I bump into things. <laughs> do you think that if, if you're just scut scuttling forward in the heels, it's almost like, it's almost like capitalism itself. As long as you're continually moving, you won't die. That's do you know boring. what I mean? You just got to you keep... keep working, keep paying taxes, keep going. Keep that's what it feels like. Sometimes mental alone will see you through. My God, when you do like a late night show and then you're up in the morning for brunch and you're like putting on makeup over makeup and being like, it's all right, the people need me, I can't, I must go. <laughs> um, yes, it is stumbling, stumbling through this capitalist world that we, uh, we all live in unwillingly. It's or interesting. It was cool. I found like because the previous guests on the podcast have um, they've all been kind of people that do their own thing in performance or activism or whatever or politics or whatever it happens to be. But Lorraine is actually an interviewer. So interviewing an interviewer, um, I suppose, in my mind, and also because Lorraine's the biggest guest we've had on the podcast. So I was a bit anxious about, oh, yeah, I hope this goes well. You've been doing your own interviews with drag legends. I know yeah. that you've interviewed, I mean, who have you had? You've had Dave Lynn. Dave Lynn, David Hoyle, sort of a two-two, whole star. Miss Jason. Not Miss Jason. Um, Why did she say no? <laughs> no, she just we could only have seven. Um, Adam Hall was the other one, and then Legato Chocolat. Oh, and Lola Zania. Um, as well yeah no so what I, what from you chatting with Lorraine it was interesting like you interviewing an interview like that's that's her job that's been her role for years and years um and it was interesting hearing you talk about interviews in this interview like it was it was very meta. very I know I was listening like well this is, this is getting somewhere we're getting into it and her saying about how she has to make people feel comfortable like whether she agrees with them or not what they're saying she that's her job as the interviewer and you get the the kind of most 
most truth and the most honesty when someone feels they're most comfortable. As like, when I was doing this thing, I just, I decided, I was like, right, I'm going to make a telly chat show. And then suddenly I was in a studio hosting a telly chat show and I was like, I've never done this before. What am I doing? <laughs> and just sitting there, how do I do it? But luckily the team were really good and everyone that I interviewed, we took it really slowly and we just kind of spoke about what they wanted to speak about and formulated questions. And it was, it was, uh, an enlightening experience but it's stressful being being the interviewer because like you have to hold yeah. the conversation and and you know you have to guide it into the right place and you want to ask questions but you don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable and then if you ask a boring question you get a boring answer and you know yeah and I think that if if a person is a good conversationalist it's because they are conversing unselfconsciously Whereas when you're interviewing someone, you have to be self-conscious because mm -hmm. you have to be analyzing the process while you're doing it. I try to actively not do that now and, and just trust that it will be interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I'm still learning. So we'll see. We'll see how that develops. Oh, my God. That's the hardest thing is listening and then also thinking of like what to do next. Where do I go next? What question do I ask next? I had this whole yeah. list of questions they go out the window because you end up having a chat and then it's like okay cut we've done 40 minutes and you're like oh, okay cool uh, <laughs> that's done but it was good i really enjoyed it I, the living legends was um available it's now available as a podcast if anyone's listening not if anyone's listening of course people are listening <laughs> if anyone's listening <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's listening <laughs> Well, if anyone's listening, they can indeed uh, check out Alfie Ordinary's podcast, which is Living Legends, where he sits down with some some of the older dames from the drag um, performance community here in the UK. And um, Alfie, thank you so much for joining us for Queen's oh, Corner today. Yeah, it was very lovely. I'm thoroughly enjoying your podcast. I love the Peter Tatchell one. Um, and, and yeah, the rain is gorgeous. The moment with the chair, I'm obsessed. I know. Thank you very much. And everyone listening at home, don't forget to subscribe to The Vanity Project. And also, um, we do love it if you can share that you have been listening so that other pe people can find us and join the situation. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.